Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I'm going to speak tonight on just one word. I'm going to call this tonight belonging. Just belonging. It just feels good to belong. Uh, it really does. It feels good to just belong. Sometimes, sometimes we can take that word and just kind of throw it away and wad it up and put it in the trash. And, but belonging means something. Everybody needs a sense of family. They need a sense of belonging. They need a sense of being connected. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. I want to give, I want to give you a little, <laughs> I want to give you a little phrase here tonight, and I'm going to, I'm going to use this the next few Wednesday nights. Always believe that something wonderful is about to happen. Always believe that something wonderful is about to happen. Because it really is. On the screen, John 10, verse 22 through 30, the New King James. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? Are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. I want to talk about belonging tonight. Everybody say belonging. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, you belong to God. And you may be seated. God bless you. You're awesome people. Thank you, Brother Gerwin. I love you, buddy. I love you. A couple retired to a small Arizona ranch and acquired a few sheep a few years ago. At lambing time, it was necessary to bring the newborns, or two of them at least, into the house for care and bottle feeding. And as the lambs grew, they began to follow the rancher's wife around the farm. They became attached. And she was telling a friend about this strange development. So the friend asked, what did you name them? And the woman said, I named them goodness and mercy. (laughs) She was referring, of course, to the line in everyone's favorite psalm, chapter 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. My message tonight is about sheep and it's about shepherds. And it's probably the most familiar image in all of scripture. God is our shepherd. And we are God's sheep were important to the agricultural lives of the ancient Hebrews. They were mentioned more than 500 times in the Bible, more than any other animal in the Bible, sheep are mentioned. And for King David, who authorized much of the book of Psalms, the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd was an obvious way to think of our relationship with Almighty God. He had vivid memories of life as a young shepherd before he became a warrior and before he became a king. 
And he begins his popular and beloved 23rd Psalm with the Lord is my shepherd. I think it'd be great for all of us to repeat that right now. Five words. The Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't that sound complete? That just sounds complete. But David wasn't the only Old Testament writer that used this imagery. Major prophet Isaiah used sheep to illustrate the waywardness of God's people when he wrote, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. You're probably thinking, how did he know about us? Isaiah sure got it right that day in his word. The descriptive language is carried over in the New Testament concerning Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd of God's people. As well as the unblemished, sacrificial lamb of God. Not only is he shepherd, he's lamb. So he knows how I feel on the lamb side. And he knows how to be a great shepherd because he became a lamb for us. Unless you've grown up with sheep on a ranch or you have visited a petting zoo, you're probably not familiar with sheep. In any case, you probably wouldn't think that being described as a sheep is very flattering. Although, truth is, sheep may have more of a right to be offended by the comparison than we do about them being like us and us being like them. Most of us probably prefer to think of ourselves as mavericks and we're real smart and we're free-spirited and individual to go along with the herd or the flock. It's natural perhaps for Americans in particular to celebrate qualities that are characteristics of mules slash donkeys slash blank than of sheep. Can I get a witness? Sheep, unless someone is having a hard time getting, getting to sleep, tend to be woefully underappreciated in America. When most of us think of sheep, we suppose them to be feeble-minded, <laughs> and that isn't us, too stupid to think for themselves, and that's sure not us. Therefore, apt to follow along with the rest of the flock, sometimes into dangerous or deadly situations. However, this image of the life of a sheep is based on the lack of understanding. When you really get to know a little bit about, more about sheep, you begin to realize that being a good sheep, that is a sheep that sticks with the flock and tries to remain close to the shepherd and acquires some basic qualities that are also essential to being a disciple and a true follower of Jesus Christ. You've got to stay with the Lord in your life. Amen? Everybody raise your right hand and say, I'm going to stay with the Lord in my life. That's good. And, and like the disciples of Jesus Christ, the sheep benefits greatly from belonging to the flock, gaining safety and gaining guidance and nourishment, correction and care, as well as the opportunity to be useful and productive. Being part of the flock of the, of the sheep is equivalent of American Express membership. It does have its privileges. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm going to talk about some of those privileges, but membership also has its responsibilities. Not only does it have privileges, it has responsibilities. And in, more, in our more mule-like or donkey-like character, we are sometimes resistant to those responsibilities. It requires the work of the Holy Ghost to make us into the right kind of sheep to follow Jesus, especially those of us who, if you don't mind a bad pun, are seriously hard of hurting you get after a while. So you may what so you say, what does being a good sheep require? 
How can we make sure we're in the right flock, obeying the good shepherd, instead of wandering off on our own or following a stray herd? What do we need to know to do as members of Christ's flock? Glad you asked. The text tonight is from John's Gospel, and it's set during the Festival of Dedication. Now, the Festival of Dedication is what we know nowadays as Hanukkah, or the Festival of Lights. It was celebrated for eight days in December, still is. And Jesus is in the temple courts, and he's walking in Solomon's colonnade. And Solomon's colonnade was a long covered walkway on the east side of the temple. And as he walked, some inquiring Jews came up to him and asked, How long will you keep us in suspense, Jesus? If you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. And that's when Jesus opened his mouth, and I put it on the screen while ago, I won't do it again. He said, I did tell you. I've already told you, but you didn't believe it. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. Because my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand because I and my Father are one. So I'm I'm going to talk a little bit here. I want to talk a little bit here tonight about four things that Jesus says about his flock. I want you to write these down, put it in a book, put it on your refrigerator, as George Strait says. <laughs> the first of all, he says that he knows us individually. Everybody say, he knows me. I read about a pastor out west that was one day traveling down the road and he saw a shepherd on the side of a hill and he had a huge flock of sheep. So he stopped his car and he started climbing that hill and he got up there to where the shepherd was and he said, can I ask you a few questions about your, your flock of sheep? And the shepherd looked at him and said, are you a pastor? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, I have a lot of them. Come talk to me. So you're just another one. Go ahead. What you want to ask me? He said, How many do you have in your flock? He said, well, uh, today I have 225. So we've had some some lambing seasons and said we've got some few ewes and a few little rams and we're doing pretty good. And then the pastor looked at him and said, if you want their attention, if you want to call them, how do you call them? He said, well, I call them by their name. I know every one of them. And so the pastor didn't believe that because he didn't know all the people in his church. And he said, call that one. So he looked over here, and I'm just going to make up a name. Okay, he said, come here, Charlie. Come here, come here, Charlie. Come here. And Charlie came over there and rubbed his little old nose and little old wool up against that pastor. I mean, that, that shepherd's leg. And he patted him and said, now go on. He said, Louise, come here. Come here, Louise. Here come the you. Here come Louise. And she came over there and just had such a good time with the shepherd. Go on now. Sam, come here. Johnny, come here. Henry, come on. And all of a sudden, the pastor said, wow, you know these guys. You know these girls. He said, yeah, that's my business. I know them. I think I just want to say it right now. Do you think an earthly shepherd knows his sheep more than a heavenly shepherd knows his sheep? And so then the pastor said, okay, how do you discern? How do you tell them apart? He said, oh, that's easier than their names. He said, you see this one right here? 
Said, see his eye? He's got a little wandering eye. See that eye? He's the only one, <laughs> the only one in the flock has got that wandering eye. And said, see this one right here? Said, he's got a little, he's got a little, little loss of wool right here because he fights all the time. He's been whooped a few times. So you see that right there? Said, look, look at his little old tail. It's, little, it's crooked. See, his tail's crooked. See, his little old tail's crooked. Nobody's got a crooked tail like him. Said, see that right there? Said, she's lost a bunch of wool on her side. Said, she had some kind of disease, and we're trying to grow that wool back. We're trying to take care of her. And he said, see, that one's got a little club foot. He said, wow. He said, so you identify them by their infirmities. He said, that's exactly right. But don't forget, I call them by their name. I'm about to preach up in here. See, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. get worried sometime of people coming up in this church and they come in here and they're carrying 47 pounds of load of guilt and fear and doubt and shame. Hey, he'll call you, but he's not going to call you. Hey, 47 pounds of doubt and fear and shame. Come here. I want to talk to you. He don't do that. The shepherd that I know knows you individually. And when he gets ready to call you, he'll call you by your name because everybody still matters. No matter if you got 47 pounds on you or you're carrying 47 pounds up or you're walking by yourself and you don't have any friends, he still knows you by name. So before, before the pastor left, he said, how often do you shear these sheep? How often do you shear them? He said, once a year. He said, pastor, before you leave, though, I feed them every day. Somebody needs to understand that Jesus Christ understands your badness and understands your sadness and understands the heavy weight you carry and understands some of the load that you have to be under in your family. But he ain't going to call you by that load. He's not going to call you by that situation. He's going to call you by your name and say, come on, you belong. Come on, say, I belong. I belong. There's a beautiful picture of our relationship with God. There's an amazing story that comes from the Wycliffe Bible translators. The story concerns a tribal people in Cameroon. Now, I'm going I'm to give this a shot, okay? They're called the Hadai people, H-D-I, the Hadai people. And I put down here, nowhere could I find the proper pronunciation of the tribe's name. It might be Hadi, it might be H. I don't know. <laughs> but indulge me, okay? I'm just going to call them Hadai. The translator... Lee Bramlett, working with the Hadai people, discovered the, that verbs in the Hadai language, you've got to get this, consistently end in one of three vowels, either an I or an A or a U. I say I, I A, 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 U. Even more interesting is that the ending vowel determines the true meaning of the word. So I Spelt the same way that a word ending with A is a different pronunciation and a different meaning than a word ending with a U. 
This appears to be true of every word in the Hadai vocabulary, except for one, the word which means love. When it comes to the word love, the Hadai people use an I or an A for the last letter. However, no word ends with a U. In other words, the two words for love are Devi, D-V-I, Devay, D-V-A. There is no Devu, D-V-U. Okay, you got it? So Bramlett asked the Hadai people for help in understanding this discrepancy concerning this word of love. And he asked, here's a question, could you divide your wife? In other words, that's a word for love. Yes, they said. That would mean that the wife had been loved, but that the husband's love had faded and it was now gone. So that's divide. So it's not good. Love is up and left and walked away. So he asked, could you devay your wife, D-V-A? Yes, they said. That kind of love depended on the wife's actions. She would be loved as long as she remained faithful and cared for her husband like a good wife should in the Cameroon country. Depend on her faithfulness. Then Bramlett asked the question that truly puzzled him. Could you devoo your wife? <laughs> That's a cute word. And everyone laughed. Of course not, they said. And they said, if you said that, you would have to keep loving your wife, watch this now, no matter what she did. Even if she never got you water. Aren't you women glad to be in America? <laughs> never made your meals. Never washed the clothes. Even if she committed adultery, you would be compelled to just keep on loving her. No, we would never say devu. It doesn't exist in our language. And Lee sat quietly for a while thinking about John 6, 316, for God so loved the world. And then he asked, could God devu people? And there was a complete silence for three or four minutes. And then tears started trickling down the elderly men. And the women started blowing their noses and they started snotting up. And finally they responded, do you know what that would mean? That would mean that God would keep loving us over and over and over and over, millennia after millennia after millennia, while all that time we rejected his great love, he's so compelled to love us even though we have sinned more than any people on the planet. Let me stop and say, do I need to tell you that the word devu was added to the Hadai's translation of the Bible to express God's love for all people in the world. They changed their whole translation. Now they have divide, devay, and devu. Here's what I want to tell you. Somebody needs to hear a preacher here tonight. I don't care what road you're walking. It doesn't matter what road you're walking. There's a God that still loves you. He's loved you all your life. He cares for you even now. And somebody needs to get a grip on grace and say, I'm going to return to the people that I belong to. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to walk with God. He will be my shepherd. Somebody help me preach right now. Woo! The Lord devoos his sheep. I love that word. I'm going to start saying, I devoo y'all. He's keep loving us over and over and over after millennia, millennia. Second thing I want to tell you about the Lord. 
Jesus said the sheep listen to his voice. Not only does he know you, he listens to his voice. I didn't bring my phone in here. Now, there's a lot of voices in the world. A lot of voices. And a lot of people cannot discern the voice of God. And the reason you can't discern the voice of God, sometimes you don't get close enough. When you get close to him, you'll recognize that still small voice. He is a God that knows how to speak and talk to his children. Let me tell you something. The Lord will never tell you anything that condemns you. That's hell. The Lord only gives something to convict you, to change you, not to condemn. There is therefore now no condemnation. To them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Aren't you glad that we have a Savior that lifts our spirits and lifts us high? Neil Anderson. I I turned too many pages here. There was a man in Australia a few years back that was tried or was going to be brought to court for being a sheep stealer. And so he came in and he told the judge, he said, Judge, there's no need to have this trial. He said, my sheep was stolen and I just went to find my sheep and they said I stole my sheep from them and I didn't. I got my sheep back. And so the judge looked at the plaintiff and looked at the defendant and said, okay, we got a situation here. And he pulled a Solomon. He said, bring in the sheep. That's in question. Wow. And they brought this little old sheep in there. And he said, okay, plaintiff, you that are accusing this defendant, go outside the door and call this sheep. And let's see if this sheep will hear your voice and follow after you. And when the plaintiff went out to call the sheep, the sheep just kind of looked around scared to death like what in the world's happening? (laughs) The plaintiff comes back in and the defendant, the man that said, I just went to get my sheep back, said, go outside and call the sheep. And he went outside, and he, I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did. <laughs> Maybe he travailed. I don't know. I've done a lot of that travailing for you, sheep. But he went outside, and he, just, he gave that sheep call. He gave the call. And that sheep went off running down the middle aisle of that court and got to the door trying to find the shepherd. And he brought the plaintiff and the defendant to the desk and said, this sheep knows its owner. It knows its shepherd. Case dismissed. Here's what I want you to get in your life and your heart. You may have a lot of voices in your life that may make you want to look up and be fearful and afraid and say, what's going on in my world? But when those voices start calling you, if you'll tune in, If you'll listen, it's kind of like the country boy that went to town one day. And his daddy wanted him to hear all the noise of town. And he said, son, what do you hear? And he said, daddy, you'll never believe it. I heard a whippoorwill. I heard a voice of a bird that is on our farm. And I heard it in the city. Here's the deal. It don't matter how big of a world you get in. It don't matter how big the place is you are. When you are tuned to the voice of God. And all these voices start clamoring about. You still can say, I will run to the voice of the one that loves me. I will hear the voice of a bird in a city and a shepherd calling me in the field. 
Somebody say glory to that. He hears and knows us. And he speaks a word to us. We know his voice. It reminds me of something Fred Rogers. You know who Fred Rogers is? Oh, Mr. Rogers. He once wrote this. He said, listen, it's where love begins. Listening to God, listening to ourselves, and then to our neighbors. And I put this on the screen. When it comes to our devotional lives, most of us are great talkers but poor listeners. I want, I want to speak just a little bit. I'm going to make you mad, and I'm going to fix you. <laughs> Some of us get up in the morning. All right, God, I, want, I need you to go with me today. Come on, come on. I need a backup. Come on, come on, I need you. If I fail, I want you there. Come on. Here's what I'm going to do. And you tell God all your business that day. And I can almost see God saying, have fun. Enjoy the day. That's what a lot of us do because we're more talkers than we are listeners. But have you ever just got up in the morning and say, God, you got something for me today? Have you got something you want me to do? You got a place you want me to go? You got something you want me to be today? And God says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will give you something and I'll be with you today. It's kind of it's like, it's kind of like the old preacher that got up one morning. And the Lord said, I want you to go to the hospital today. And he said, Lord, I, I, I'm going to go by the church first and pray. And the Lord said, I want you to go to the hospital right now. He said, Lord, I will, but I'm going to go by the church first. He said, son, listen to me. I want you to go to the hospital. You're needed at the hospital right now. He said, I will, God, after I go by the church. And the Lord said, I hope somebody hears you at that church because I'm going to the hospital. I got in the shower one. I got in the shower one, one, one morning. I take a duke every morning. That's a, that's a, that's a word from Scotland for a shower. A duke. D-O-O-K. Stand up, Nancy. Stand up, Nancy. Stand up, Nancy. Stand up. Nancy and Tom, is that a word? Thank you very much. You may be seated. She come right out of the Hadai people. Davu, Davu, Duke. And I got in the shower. I got in the shower that morning. And the Lord said, I want you to go witness to T. Cullen Davis. He's ready for my spirit. He wants to be saved. T. Cullen Davis was an owner of a huge oil company. And I said, Lord, 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 I can't, Lord. I'm just a little old preacher, Lord. I can't do that. Help me, God. And I just cried and wept and cried. I thought, crying real good. God say, okay, you get, get off. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hall pass. I got out of the shower, dried myself off, and I went on, did my day, and didn't go see T. Cullen Davis. Next day, I get in the shower, and God said, I'm asking you one more time. I want you to go see T. Cullen Davis today. He's ready for my spirit. He wants me to come into his life. I want you to lead him. I said, God, I don't have any, I don't have any inroads to T. Cullen Davis. He said, yes, you do. Your, your daddy works for him. He's got a spirit-filled housekeeper. He's ready. His wife He's ready for the Spirit of God. His wife has gone to an Assembly of God church and found the Holy Ghost in her life, and he's ready for the Lord in his life. I want you to go and get him. And I, oh, God, oh, God, I'm scared of God. I can't do that. I can't do it. And I get out of the shower, and I cried it away. And the next morning, I read the paper, T. Cullen Davis finds Jesus. 
It wasn't because of me. James Robinson went by. God gave me two shots before he talked to Brother James. And I failed. And I promised God I would never do that anymore. So if God Almighty speaks to me and tells me to go to the White House, I'm going to go tell somebody about Jesus. There's no need. I'm going to hear the voice of God in my life because I belong to the greatest thing in the whole world. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Third thing, Jesus says his sheep follow him. Everybody say, we've got to follow the Lord. Got to follow him. Neil Anderson contends that the, us in the Western world don't have a, the correct picture of what it is to lead sheep. He said, shepherds here drive from the back. They use dogs and all that to bite the sheep's heels and all that. And, and we drive sheep. We drive sheep. And I've been to a lot of churches where the pastor drives people. I was raised in those kind of churches. You do this or you're going to hell. You do this, you're not going to be saved. And they drive the flock. But over in the eastern side of the world, they lead the flock. man said he went outside one day outside of Bethlehem and saw a shepherd with his sheep. And he said he took those, those sheep to a little grazing pasture on a little hillside. And the shepherd just sat on a rock and just watched them graze. He led them in green pastures. Isn't that neat? That's what David said the Lord did. And then all of a sudden he just stands up. He said, y'all have ate enough. It's time to go, and he gave that little call, and he started walking, and every one of those sheep started following him. That's what we do with Jesus Christ in our life. We follow after him. And when you follow after him, I promise you, you belong to something greater than anything that could be a distractor in your life here. It's the greatest thing in the world to belong to Jesus Christ. Come on, we've got to follow him. We gotta follow him. We gotta follow him. And the last thing that Jesus says that no one can snatch his sheep from him. Wow. Pastor, it sounds like that's an eternal security message. Let me tell you something. I believe conditionally in the eternal security. Not unconditionally, but conditionally, because the Lord's always given us choices. But if you don't want to go away from God, He will never let you go. Let me say it again. If you don't want to separate yourself from Him, He will never let go of you. And He said, my Father, His hand, He won't let you go either. Because I and my father are one. We agree in this. You understand? And he said, I'm telling you, if you want to live for me, you can stumble and bumble and make mistakes and make situations in your life that looks like you can't get out of. But if you just get up and say, God, help me. I need you. I want to belong. I want to be a part of this thing. He said, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm not going to let you go. I will not let you go. I will not let you go. I will not let you go. That's the God that I'm preaching about. An old circuit riding pastor went to see a little boy that was very sick, a little eight-year-old boy several years ago in, in Kentucky. And he, and he went to the house because he heard the little boy was very sick. The little boy's name was Timmy. And he went in, he had diphtheria. 
back in the 1850s. And he went in, he had diphtheria. And, and so he went into the room and the little boy was very, very sick. His parents were very worried. They, the little circuit riding pastor came to pray. And, 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 he, and he knelt down beside the boy and he said, son, I want you to, said, do you know the 23rd Psalm? And he said, yes, sir, I do. He said, quote it for me. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want him. Make me like, he just went through it, just bam. He said, son, slow down. You sent it too fast. It's not the memorization of it. It's the quality of it that matters. And he finally slowed him down to a point. He said, son, I want you to hold your hand up like this right here. And the boy held his hand up and he said, okay. I want you to say from the thumb forward, I want you to say the Lord is my shepherd. He said, can you do that? And the little boy looked at him very sick and he said, yes, sir. The Lord is my, he said, stop. He said, you see what finger you got a hold of? He said, that's the same finger that your mom and dad put rings on that said they promised themselves to one another. And he said, that is the love finger. That's the finger of the heart. And said, that word is my. He said, you think your dad and your mom are in love? I'm telling you, son, there's a God in heaven that loves you like their love could never match. My, 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 my shepherd. Ryder went away. The preacher went away. Came back the next spring. Going to check on little Timmy. Saw fresh turned dirt in the backyard with a cross. He knew immediately that Timmy had died. He knew it. So he went in to comfort the family. And it had been a while. And he didn't know it. News hadn't gotten to him. They didn't have cell phones. So he, he goes in and talks to the parents. And the mother said, you know, we put him down that night to sleep so we went went to our own room and said he was real quiet and said the next morning when I got up I went in I discovered that he had passed and I'm almost finished said he had passed but said the strangest thing pastor said he had his fingers gripped around his finger his fourth finger and said he had a peaceful look on his face. Because when he passed, he was holding on to my, my, my shepherd. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. And I want I, I want to say this. I want to say this to everybody. I, I know, I know. People think the preacher's up here on this platform, and he's got everything covered, and everything's good in his life. There are so many times when voices have come to my world. There's so many times when I have just been so disillusioned about life, and everybody gets disillusioned. I don't have it all figured out every day, but I got one thing figured out, folks. Listen, I got one thing figured out. I told my wife if she ever decided to leave me pack two suitcases, I was going with her. <laughs> but I got something else figured out. I got something else figured out. 
I got something else figured out. You know what it is? The Lord is my He's not yours alone. He's not yours alone. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. He's my shepherd. Woo! Hallelujah. He is mine. He is mine. He is mine. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. Jesus said it. That settles it and I believe it. Brother Randy, help me. I'm done. I'm done. I've preached long enough. Lord God, I've missed the fire out of y'all. I can't wait till Sunday. Missed the fire. Everybody say, Jesus is my shepherd. Everybody say, he leads me. I follow him. I want to know his voice. I'm in his hand. No one can snatch me out of it. No one can snatch me out of my father's hand. Jesus and the Father are one. Amen. Amen. I close. A mother of eight children was asked one time if she had any favorites. Favorites, she said. Yeah, I have favorites. Shocked some of you mothers. She said, I love the one who's sick until he's well again. And I love the one who's in trouble until he's safe again. And I love the one who is farthest away from God until he comes home again. Yeah. I have favorites. So I'm asking you and telling you. If you're struggling tonight with your existence in God. And feeling belonging. Feeling a part of the kingdom. Part of God's family. I just got to tell you something. You're his favorite tonight. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. I was the kind of kid, I never fought in school, never fought. Oh, I could have. And I look back now and I, I probably would have not done real good in some of them. <laughs> but I wrestled everybody in my school when I was a, when I was a seventh grader. I wrestled everybody in my class. And I pinned them all. I did. I pinned them all. That's the gospel. And so when I left that little school in, in Sundown to go to Level Land, there was a kid that also transferred from Sundown to Level Land at the same time. And he said, now Rex is a peaceful guy. He really is. But, boy, he can wrestle. I just had, I just had that knack. I don't know what it was. I Maybe because Dan Gable is my uncle. I don't know. I'm teasing. He's not my uncle. <laughs> but I couldn't stand for people to pick on kids that couldn't defend themselves. I, I don't want to use the word hate. I couldn't stand bullies. 
I couldn't stand bullies. And I can't tell you the number of times I've stepped into the middle of something and said, if you lay one hand on him, I'm going to wrestle you down. I didn't say I'd fight him. I said, I'll wrestle you down. I'll, I'll put you on the ground so quick. Don't you touch this guy. And I didn't realize back then that I was, I was becoming a shepherd, an under-shepherd. Because I feel that way when the enemy comes against you. I want to step in and say, don't you touch that family. Don't you mess with that guy right there. Don't you mess with him because he may be struggling. and You may think you're going to bully him, but you're not going to bully him as long as I'm around. I'm going to be a shepherd to this congregation. And if I can do that, can you imagine the kind of furor that God has when the enemy tries to destroy people in this church? He just walks up and says, go sit down, you wimp, limp-wristed devil. Get over there and sit down. I own that child right there. They belong to me. Why don't you clap your hands and say, I belong. I belong. I belong. I belong. I belong. I may struggle sometime, but I belong. I truly do belong. Amen. I belong. I belong. I belong. I belong. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. Stand to your feet. We have a, we have a young man on staff named Reed. Anybody know Reed right here? Reed. Everybody love Reed? All right. Reed wants to fight all the time. If I'm lying, I'm dying. He wants to fight all the time. He wants to, he wants to compare himself to if he got, he said, who would be the worst WWE wrestler you'd ever want to face? Well, I don't want to face any of them. He said, who do you think you could stand in there against? Well, I couldn't stand in there against any of them. I'm not stupid. But Reed said, I think I could stay in there with some of them. Yeah, yeah. Until they got you here and just threw you over the top rope. Reed always wants to race people. He wants to run people. Him and Brandon. Brandon, Brandon, our, our children's pastor, have had so many races in our parking lot. Who can outdistance the other? So they started with about 30 yards, and they went to 50 yards, and they went to 60. And they just run all the time. Just run. What are they doing that for? I think it's a shepherd heart being birthed in them. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you to that child of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outrun you to that cause. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outfight you when the enemy comes against people that I'm going to pastor someday. I think they're learning how to be a shepherd. But I hadn't heard Reed want to challenge Octavius lately. Thought I'd share that with you in closing. But he wants Octavius on his team. Are you understanding me? I'm trying to be lighthearted, but you're getting the point. God Almighty don't want you to feel bullied in this life. He wants you to feel like you belong. Bullied people can't live for God. Belonging people can live for God. Everybody raise your hand and say, I belong, Pastor. I belong. I'm a child of the King. I belong to royalty. Say it. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Bow your heads and close your eyes. You're awesome people. Father, I thank you tonight. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.